Uh, good evening, good afternoon, good morning, and welcome to the latest episode of Bible Escapes in Discussion, which, all things being well, should be going out as the Hogmanay special. And tonight, today, whenever you happen to be listening to this, I've got the pleasure of being joined by two fantastic photographers, uh, Bruce Percy and Darren Kewley Leach, which I've probably pronounced wrong, but there we go. Good evening, guys. Good evening. Hi. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, before we get into talking about Bruce's new book, Howlendi, which I'm told is the correct pronunciation, um, obviously neither of them will be unfamiliar to most of you. Um, Bruce has been photographing now for certainly uh, quite a period of time. He's brought out half a dozen books um, and I think his work's very well known from what he's done in Iceland, South, uh, South America, across over to Japan as well. Um, and also Darren, who's based down in Nottingham and has worked with, with Bruce on many of his books over the last 10 years, in fact, if not probably all of them, um, and within his own right is a phenomenal uh, photographer, particularly his woodland scenes, and maybe we'll see something from him in the future. So before we get into talking about the book, it'd be great if you could maybe just give a bit of a brief over round to your uh, your photography background and and your work i'll hand over to you bruce first all right um well i was a complete amateur when i met darren and <clears> um uh, i but i bumped into this rather strange man from nottingham in the middle of glencoe in the king's house i think it was darren you were it sitting, was yeah you're yeah. sitting at the very end of the king's house with a with a with a camera so i just went up bounding over to chat to him and, uh, and ever since I've met him, he just kept saying to me, you should be doing this full time and uh, was a great kind of influencer and uh, pushed me forward about doing this sort of stuff. So yeah. um, so the professional side of it, I, I don't like the word professional. It sounds a bit weird, but it's um, in terms of like giving up a real job to yes. go and do this kind of happened in 2008 with the credit crunch. Yeah. And then by 2009, I was I was kind of full time at it. But I'd been taking pictures since about as a hobby, serious hobby, since about 2000. Yeah, very good. Yeah. I, yourself, Darren? You're... Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I think sort of by trade, I'm a graphic designer. Yeah. Um, but I've been taking photographs for well, since I was probably about 13 or 14. And um it first sort of started because I was sort of big into my music, um, into sort of punk and, you know, anything that was loud and noisy. <laughs> and um, I bought a DSLR and just ended up going to shows and taking shots of, of bands. And that sort of lasted for about, probably about five years. Um, and then it got to the stage where all my equipment was getting smashed with stage divers and, and what have you. And I couldn't afford to replace it. So I kind of just completely, as much as I love photography, I left it um, and I never really got back into it for quite some time. And I think the thing that sort of sparked my interest was I, I think I was wandering through uh, Waterstones one day and <clears throat> splicking through the books and just happened to see First Light by Joe Cornish. And I, I was quite intrigued by it because, you know, I was not really a landscape fan although i'd always enjoyed being out in the landscape walking yeah. and, and what have you and I, and I picked the book up and i just flicked through it and i think from that literally from that moment i was completely hooked mm -hmm. and i think the next week i went out and bought a mamia six and completely got you know screwed my exposure was terrible everything was <laughs> appalling but i actually found it got me back out into into nature so for me that was just you know i, I think i was just hooked from then on I 
I'd, I'd like to add to that, Darren. I think that book's been really instrumental for a lot of people first. Yeah, time. I think it has. I've got a copy of that too. And I, I remember even now, I didn't put it in my the list that you and asked me for. It's very difficult to choose like top four or five or whatever. I think my equivalent of First Light was um, uh, Mountain Light by Galen Rowell, mm. but it was it was the same thing. <clears throat> and I, th I think I found them both at the same time. And about six months later, I got Joe's book and it was just, that was it. It was like this is what I want to do with my yeah. kind of creative creative hobby. So, yeah, I think it opened a, a lot. I think for me, actually, as much as the, the photography was fantastic, it actually made me realise what a fantastic place the British Isles was. Mm. You know, I was, I was seeing yeah. these shots from sort of Glencoe and <clears throat> Bookletty Moor and and places that I was thinking. You know, every time I turned over a page, I was thinking, "Geez, where's that?" You know, and I, I'd yeah. make a point of trying to find out exactly where where they were taken and. That's also interesting you brought that up because um, it's so easy now, uh, you know, 10, 20 years later to look back at some of those things and, you know, and take them for granted because at the time when Joe's mm -hmm. book came out, there were pages, when I was turning the page, I didn't know where half of these places yeah. were in Britain. Yeah. And you were thinking, you know, just, you know, it's so interesting with photography that that's kind of happened, that things that were were almost kind of like way off the beaten track or or just not even well known at all, they've become really, really magnetic places now. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I, it was the actual shot. <clears throat> I remember specifically was a shot of the Bookletted Moor from literally mm. from the little stream at the side of the AH2. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, and I think Joe had said, you know, this looks like it's in the, this wilderness and right behind him is <laughs> a main road. <laughs> yeah. I thought, actually, for me, I thought, well, you know, how magical and wild it looked. But actually, then I thought, actually, it's accessible. Yeah, yes. And I think, and that's probably, I think the, when I met you, Bruce, was the first time. Yes, I, I was. I was just going to let you finish there because uh, that's my overriding memory of your absolute enthusiasm, Darren. When I bumped into you, you were like, I've never, this is like, this is like another planet, this place. I've never been here before. This is incredible. And you weren't even dressed appropriately. I think it was, the, I think it was like January Spenders. or February. Well, no, no. <laughs> we'll get onto that later. But anyway, the, uh, um, I think it was like January, February. I was up there during the weekend from this IT job I had and, yeah. I remember going to the King's house to get like, they used to do this late breakfast and stuff like that. I went in there and you were wearing this kind of really trendy kind of jacket that just didn't look like it was meant for winter at yeah, all. It, was, it probably wasn't. It was, and you told me that you'd been dropped off by, by some bus or something. And, yeah, yeah. And, and you'd, you'd walked all the way through Glen yeah. Rannoch Moor or something. <laughs> well, yeah. prepared, well prepared, well like prepared. National Express coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The driver where he wanted dropping. That's that's my that's my overriding first memory yeah. of meeting because you. I didn't know the place. I kind of mm. roughly sort of described it to him and said, "Look, you know, I need to be sort of dropped off here." And I think yeah. he dropped me literally at the very beginning of Rannoch Moor. That's miles away. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a long walk. That's, yeah, it's a, it's a big hike. That it, really it doesn't seem long in the car, but when you actually walk it, that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it was, it was incredible. But I think from that moment on, you know, I, I was completely hooked. Yeah. yeah. The next year, I went back and then back again and. I definitely think I, I really like the fact that Ewan's done this because I, I def, I, I've talked about it several times in my blog, but there's like two or three, even now when I'm sort of losing inspiration or something, you can go back to, for me, it's often the books that I first discovered, like your first light. Yeah. Uh, you, you just go back in that and somehow you're reconnecting to this person who you were 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, and you yeah. kind of remember that whole, that first buzz of getting into it. Yeah, yeah, it's that spark of enthusiasm, isn't mm. it? It's like, you know, it, it, it sticks with mm. you for a long, long time. Yeah, and it's always there. 
it, yeah, it is. It, other things mm. may change, but you will always still remember the first yeah, yeah. thing that the first thing that hooked you in. And I suppose mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. it works with photography, but it works with so many other things. Probably yeah, music does, as well. Yeah. You remember the first bands that you you used yeah. to listen to as a youngster, and yeah. you still always revert back to them because of the, because of the memories. So yeah, so I've got a lot to thank Joe for. I think. Mm -hmm. Really? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely totally agree. Mm -hmm. I have to have to tell you a little funny story about that. Every time I bump into Joe now, it's like um, I'm always very apologetic because the first time I ever met him was on was on Glencoe, and I just saw somebody down at a river with an Ebony 45SU, which was the camera I wanted to get at the time, a large format camera. And I went bounding down to talk to this guy, and I was chatting away to him for about half an hour, boring him senseless about the camera. And then at one point, I looked at him, and a little alarm bell went in my head, and I thought he looks familiar. <laughs> and he i said to him and then almost the penny dropped and i said you're not joe cornish by any chance and he said yes i am and he said i'm in actually in the middle of a workshop uh, and i looked around and there was like eight photographers that i hadn't spotted <laughs> <laughs> and and i was like so apologetic to him but he was really really polite about it and i just left and and so even when i went down to the on landscape thing about was it three four years ago now yeah um, I sort of said to him that he said, "No, I, I still remember. I still remember <laughs> meeting you at that, that time." So, anyway, so yeah, mo mo moving on. So, obviously, your latest book is has been recently published, Howlendy, um, which I think is your sixth book, um, fifth book, I think, fifth book, fifth book. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, it's uh, I think the two of you have worked on on all books that you've produced. Is that yeah. that's correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this book is really focused on Iceland and the beautiful Highland landscape. Um, I have to say, um, I've been enjoying it since I managed to prize it from the bubble wrap that it was <laughs> packed into within an inch of its life. Um, I think that was part of the challenge to, to get it out. And it, it's, it's, a it's a beautiful book, fun, first and foremost. I think the whole, the whole concept behind it, I really, really like. I've, I really enjoyed spending so much time with it, looking through the the black, the black interior, then onto the white interior, and then finishing off with the scars of the land. I, I thought the the work was 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 superb. I thought the rep the reproduction of the colours and mm. getting getting your tones to come across because obviously I think your work's so well known for the work that you do with the tones and to be able to get the level of the detail come across, I, I think it's just been accomplished so well and i really really like the hardback oh, format as well yeah can, can we i'll, yep. I'll just in, interrupt there because um just to to get that subject about tones i mean darren can tell you about this but um when we went to the printer about it um the a lot of the pictures are almost bordering on being there's almost nothing there really yeah and or the tones are so subtle and i did wonder even last year when darren and myself were talking about this i did wonder if it might just be a bit of a, a bit of a, a nightmare to try and print it um, but um, there was a print, I can't remember the name of the printing technique, Darren, that they, that they used for this. Um, um, yeah, it was uh, UCR originally, UCR. because they, yeah, it's under colour um, reduction. So it's, yeah, it's quite a complex process, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when it goes on press, you can either have it too heavy, which would completely ruin all the, all the toning, or too soft, and, and mm. to get that fine balance was, it's not easy. <clears throat> you know, I, I had visions of the you know the printers pulling out their hair thinking oh geez you know what are we going to do or, with this? or us or us pulling our hair yeah out. both yeah all of yeah. us I mean, we went down and this 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 book we actually went down the route of doing a, a wet proof 
right. which is basically you know run off press. It's it's not a, a star proof or a match print or anything like that. It's yeah. physically run off the press. Yeah, and um, you know in, the, <clears throat> in that way, I think they gave us about five or six options. If you might correct me, Bruce, but I think it was about that. And Bruce actually then got to choose which, which one he thought was the closest option, which made life a lot easier because I think you know in the past we've we've dealt with printers that would have just sort of you know print it and be damned and mm. you know and because that bruce's work is so beautiful and it's so delicate yes. that it can be you know you can destroy the book with with bad print so we this one was a bit a bit nerve-wracking but i think the overall finished print we're you know delighted with yeah yeah definitely uh yeah so that, that was nice of you to point that out actually you and that was something that you picked up on um my my feeling about you know five books in is that um because you're so close to the work you know about all the kind of details and the problems that you've had in the background or things that you've had to because it usually takes darn myself about a year to get through actually getting ready to actually actually pull the trigger and actually go ahead and do the thing yeah and um and i think for the for for most viewers like and i i don't mean this in any negative way it's just that um if it works well they don't notice the problems that you had yeah. Because it because it just it just looks effortless and and yet that you know there's there's a, there's a lot of preparation that goes in the background. It's not yeah. just about deciding which order you want the images in. Yeah, there's a lot of paddling underwater. Yeah, <laughs> like you know trying to get it to, mm. to that precise point that we're happy with it. Yeah, um, yeah. So I thought that was really good, you and that you brought that up. Yeah, I I I think I think it does work as you say. The work is so delicate that. It, has, it it really requires the attention to the to, to detail so that the, the detail is brought out because it, as you say darren if if you just went with what the printers were offering you yeah, you, yeah. you you could really lose the impact and the quality of the work and yeah. the experience to to the end the end uh, viewer is, yeah. is, so, is, is does not reflect the work as it should be yeah so the other thing about like having a sort of a, a team effort in this one is that you've also got to just have like a very similar mindset about it and um so like uh, we had escalating costs with it a little bit it was like it started off at a certain price point and then every time that we heard about something else that needed to get done to the book the price would go up <laughs> and every time that i wrote to darren about it he just said yeah we should just do it and i thought brilliant because that's yeah. all i want to do i just want to make sure the book's good yeah you know sometimes yes. i think you just can't you can't compromise on, on yeah. quality. not with not with images like that i think if it you know, if we were looking at sort of my work, say in a book, which is sort of quite chaotic, sort of woodland, yeah, then the tonality is it can be hidden. Yes, I think with with Bruce's, you know, this, this less is more kind of approach with some of the images. Yeah, any any designer or any interior designer will tell you that to try and design something with is very little in it. Every little mistake will be visible. Mm. Yes, and yeah. and it's so much harder to to print that than it is you know, quite a busy image. But that, that, that's something I've also had a, a view on as well, is that um, for a long time, you know, when I, when you run workshops, um, every time that somebody's got an image that doesn't really work too well and you're kind of struggling with it, usually somebody in the team suggests that, what does it look like in black and white? And and it almost seems to be like a, um, a salvage point that if you turn it black and white, it might be good. But my feelings are the complete opposite about that. When you get into black and white, all the tones have to work perfectly in the picture for it to work. And so, so that that's in some respects like looking at a color image. If you've got lots of pretty colors in there, you can get a, you can get a, you can get round the problem that there's tonal problems. But yeah. when it starts to get really re reducted like that, I think that those things become much much more 
um, yeah. the, the more obvious of the wrong. Yeah, they do. I mean, it's a lot of your images, sort of the ones towards the back of the book, are almost monochromatic. Yes. Yeah, so if you if you get a slight, you know, the press is slightly heavy on the magenta mm. plate or the cyan plate, you're gonna you're gonna see yeah. a, a definite magenta cast or you know a blue cast. So that that is a very very tricky thing to mm. you know to balance and get right. But uh, you know, I think we're both more than happy with how it's turned out. Yeah. Absolutely. So in turn, I suppose, talking maybe more specifically about the body of work itself, obviously it's uh, something, uh, a location you've been visiting for a number of years, uh, Bruce. Um, I'm sure you've, uh, you must have, have built up quite a body of work from which to distill down to, to get to the final selection. And was it, a, was it a long process and was it a difficult process to identify the image the, or the, the story and the narrative that you're, you were wanting to give across with, with the images and sequencing as well? Uh, well, I, yeah, I don't really know. I think yes and no, probably. Just... Um, uh, I, I think I knew when I started going into the interior and I saw all those big black deserts in there, to yeah. me that it was a complete antithesis of like Bolivia. It was, you know, it's all big black deserts, big deserts that you get in Bolivia too, but they're all full of colour. Yeah. And in and in Iceland, it was just like somebody's, I remember my guide's father actually was in, a, in on a trip with me, running the trip with me. He was, he was the driver. And at one point he got his digital camera out. We'd been out shooting and it was September time, but we got a lot of slow, snow in at September. And he was checking the RGB values on his camera, and it really, it really was black and white. The picture, it was a color capture, yeah. and there was not a single bit of color in it. It was just black and white. And so, I, so I knew I wanted to, when I started getting involved in going into the interior, I'd always wanted to go in since two thousand and four. But you always seem to have quite a bit of money to do it because you need yeah. some big, big super trucks or whatever to try and get in. And um, and then with the guide that I've met, he's just like some sort of he's like some action man from ex you know like four wheel driving expert for the Norwegian Army and all this sort of stuff. And so I started getting access to all areas. And I guess by that period in my little my little photography profession, if you want to call it that, I'd gotten to the point of just realizing that you can't. It's nice to visualize a little bit further ahead, but but don't don't get too locked in on it. So just the idea of it's just, let's, let's just see what happens. But I did start thinking it would be nice to have a, a book or a body of work at some point. Yeah. And I think all you can do is just let it evolve over five, four or five years. But it, cause even this year when I was talking to Darren, it was like, we, we, I had the, the, the sequenced images last year. And then I went back to Iceland again in March and I said to him, can I just rip some out and shoehorn these ones in instead? <laughs> and, and so, and I kind of knew it was going to happen. It's just a given, really. Um, and I, I think, in, ultimately, I'm not very keen on last-minute changes, really, because you usually need some time to think about. You know, you don't really know until much later on how that's really come over. But um, so it, it, it just kind of grew. And then, and then, a couple of years into the whole thing, he just said to me because he's a the, the guy that I've got. He's a keen photographer. He said to me at one point. Um, there's a landscape you might like. So he kind of gotten used to what, what I like. And yes. he, it was quite funny because he runs his own tours and he, he would just look at me completely nonplussed and he said, I don't get it, Bruce. He said, I take you guys to places that I take all my clients to and not one of your clients wants to get out of the car. But the moment you see something and you want to stop, they all want to get out with you, right? So it was kind of funny because he... What I, all I'm trying to point out by that is what he, he just got to a point he realized there was a certain thing I was into. Yes. And and it's great to work with a guide like that 
that really understands where you're coming from because guides they, they normally think it's like two minutes for a photo, photo stop or yeah whatever so then about three years ago he just said to me there's a can there's a landscape you might like and it's like it's like a white canvas with, with black brush strokes on it and uh, he just he just hooked me in so I didn't even think that was going to be in the book and I and then even last year when I was start sequence I thought it's a book of two halves it's kind of the first half of it's black desert the second half is the winter scene and there's nothing about autumn yeah I, I did I went back into Iceland for about two summers to try and get something in the middle and I just failed miserably and I just thought it's got to be there's no autumn or spring so there's no like summer in it it's just like winter and autumn yeah um, in this book and then even when we got around to print publishing it I just I never said this to Darren but I just personally think that any everybody buys the book they probably like it until they get to about halfway through it and then they'll probably <laughs> just wonder what why they've got all these empty pages of white nothing in it because even Sam Gregg has said to me, he said, do you ever wonder if it's gone a bit too far? And and I've been really surprised by the response I've got. It's been so encouraging. I've had so many nice emails from people just telling me they think it's my best book, which is very nice. Yeah, I, I, I can see why people would think it is your, your best book. I, I think the work is wonderful. I must say I'm looking forward to your next book coming out um, mm-hmm. based on... So, the- so, so, so sorry to interrupt you there, but to, so the, the, the involvement of like the, I think you know you've just got to let these things kind of grow and they sometimes sort of take their own momentum yeah a wee bit. yeah um, and i suppose they'll take a di- different direction with every trip as well you make into yeah. in, into it depending on what conditions you're faced with mm. and um the, the work that you come back with it's also very good to to although darren says that he just does what i tell him which is not true <laughs> um i you, you you really need a sounding board a lot yeah. and um you have confidence of crisis and that's quite a common thing I think that for that to happen and you need somebody else just to sort of give you that reference point as well. I will be brutally honest with Bruce if I think something's <laughs> not working. You know, no, it, I, th- very, I think we, Bruce and I have very, very similar taste. Yeah. You know, and I, I think that's why it works so well. You know, that if I put a design in or I put a font in and Bruce doesn't like it, Bruce will tell me. You know, yeah, and I'm, I'm saying yeah. if I don't think that a picture works in a certain sequence or the tonality is not quite right, you know, I think we're, we're both sort of singing from the same hymn book, which is which is a great sort of working relationship to have. I think that's that's what you really want, really. I mean, it's it shouldn't be about trying to upset anybody's ego or anything. <clears throat> you're just you're just um, uh, and the weird thing about this sort of stuff, anyway, is I find after a while that the photographs don't feel like they're mine anymore. They just they they just become something else. And so it's kind of a bit easier to be a bit more kind of objective about it and talk to other people about what you what what's been done, you know, and and how you want to present it. And I'm also very aware that when I'm when I'm I usually sometimes get a bit carried away. So even with the Hokkaido book we've been talking about, I've sent Darren already some images in my head of how I see the book arriving. But I'm, I've got I give a complete poetic license just to let it go wherever it's going to go. And yeah. and and then Darren usually just because he's got that kind of that expertise about fonts and there's a lot of stuff. This like, I'll give you one little story. Um, the first book I wanted to do, I was going to have a black cover because the website's all black. So it's going to be black. Yeah. And within about two minutes of like sending the, the, the mock-up, Darren sent me an email back and here's the front cover. And it was white. And I was like, what? <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he said to me, he said to me, print uh, black is, it's quite difficult to print because you've got to put a layer of magenta underneath it. Um, you don't just print black on it yeah. 
and it, it's just too heavy in terms of you know the how the viewer will perceive it and i think that's i think that's absolutely right and I, th this is i'm just coming what i'm trying to give you in this interview from that comment there is more about if you're a keen photographer wanting to do a book getting involved with a book designer is really important because there's things that they're going to point out to you that you just not even considered um hmm. yeah yeah and I think I think obviously you you benefit from from Darren's expertise and Darren's knowledge that um, you can well, you can take on board. Yeah, and it's great that he's a photographer too. You see, he's not yes. just a, he's not just like a, a graphic designer. Yeah. Um. A, mm. Or a keen fontaholic, as he as he said to me when <laughs> we spent we spent almost two days just deciding on the font for the Iceland book that we did the second book. Yeah. Uh, around his house, and uh, and then at one point he said to me, "I'm a, I'm a fontaholic." So, <laughs> So, Darren, obviously, once Bruce has uh, once Bruce has got the body of work together, and I, I'm assuming that Bruce maybe has a look at the initial sequencing. At that point, your involvement, do you uh, feedback at that point with your own thoughts on how it might work and your own ideas yeah. for for the design, and the layout? And yeah, I, I will do. I mean, it, luckily, Bruce is pretty. I would say bang on every time with the sequencing, and I think yeah. for a lot of people that is probably one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. If you're sorting out your book, I mean, I'm trying to sort my own book out at the moment, you know, and it really is a nightmare. I think it's, it's difficult when it's when you're doing it yourself because you've got more of a, a personal connection with every image. Yes. So it's very, very difficult to edit yeah. Yeah. for a start. Um, but yeah, I, I generally, Bruce will sometimes only send me three or four images from the book initially, and I'd immediately sort of get a seed of an idea of you know, the colour for the cover and how the typography is going to work and how big the picture should be. And, you know, it's a general feel. And I think because because I am a photographer as well, yeah, I, I get it. I just get it. You know, I, I understand what Bruce is trying to, to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a very, very delicate balance because you don't want to overpower the photography <laughs> with the design. Oh, so well, that's a bit... To sit that's perfectly. That's a really good point, Darren, because that's I'm like so similarly with working with guides at the same time. If you work with a guide every year, you want to they they start to understand where you're going. So every year when I'm going back to a country or something, I'd like to try and work with the same guide if I can every time. And I think that like when you're designing books, building up a relationship with a book designer over uh, uh, the, the, there's so much value in that that you can't put in a spreadsheet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's you know, yeah. um, now there was something you said there, and it's completely gone in my head because it was a good point about what you'd said. Um, it's gone, so I'll have to. It's a senior moment. I'll come back yeah. to it. But I, I always see the sort of, I mean, my sort of philosophy on on the book design is that really, if you take one image from that book, your design is actually the frame for that image. Hmm. So it's like, you know, with one of your minimal minimalist images, you wouldn't put it in a giant gilded baroque frame. You know, it yeah. doesn't yes. it doesn't sit well. So it's got to complement and. And not overpower. Right. So the thing I've remembered, Darren, is that um, I remember when we did the the, the Iceland book from two, the second book, Journal of Nocturnes. Yes. Yeah. I sent you a kind of rough mock-up of what I could see in my head about this, like a little photograph on the side of the slipcase and and the things like that. And you just took it and just made it better. And it was something about you said in that, and just previously before I had had my senior moment there. Uh, I think that, that that is a skill is being able to look, being able to understand what the person's aiming for and actually instead of just 
instead of smothering them with your own kind of take on it or yeah. you know <laughs> any kind of form of ego and stuff it's yeah. just actually being able to listen to them and actually find out what they're wanting and actually just bring that into fruition yeah and that that's exactly that's how i often felt about it especially with Iceland Journal of Nocturnes remember when I sent you the I remember and I sent you this mock-up and I was really adamant I thought I hope he doesn't screw up I hope he doesn't change it and do lots of different <laughs> things and and all of a sudden about half an hour later he got it back and it was it was just like a really tight tight version of what I'd sent you and I looked at him and mine looked like shit and I thought that that that's what I wanted I actually thought what you sent me back was what I was asking for until I saw it. You know, that, that's that's the thing. So, yeah. I, I, and that's that that's the thing about it is that you know you you it, it's you can't you can't put that on a spreadsheet. That's that's the yeah. thing about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's difficult as, as a designer as well. You've kind of you've got a you've got to have sort of quite tight reins on on going over the top. I mean, I've always I've always likened it to sort of architecture. And when I see an architect, you know, yeah. house that's yes. kind of it's yeah. been built for someone and they an architect has put every single trick he's learned over the 50 years he's been doing it <laughs> yes. into this yeah. one house and it ends up looking like a monstrosity yes you know so for, for me it's it's what you don't put in that counts and i guess that's very yeah. that's a very good point yeah yeah you know it's what you leave out that that's important but yeah i i i i, I totally agree with you bruce in terms of your point that um you cannot put a value on particularly in a collaboration and partnership that's been going on for that's been going on for however many years the two of you have been a decade and i think that works in all parts of life and yeah Yeah. it works in all parts of life because the a a connection that two people have even if it's in whatever business you begin to get a knowledge base and you begin to get an understanding for for what each each party is looking to produce and what the output's all about and and you can't replicate that you can't just ditch one half of it pick up someone else and expect and it. what they and what they and what they mean or what the neurosis is behind it all because uh i i do i do sometimes wonder if like darren's acting is a bit of a shrink for me sometimes <laughs> he probably gets about 10 emails from me sometimes one day you know and i just think to myself he just kind of goes well i'll probably just read the last one <laughs> 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 you know so uh so that there's all because when it's your when it's your book it's your, you know it's your baby sort of thing yeah. but uh no, I'm, I'm jo- of course I'm joking, but you know the, um, it, it's really important to work with somebody, and it's also really important to work with somebody that kind of is is really gets what you're doing, yeah, and um, and 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 is passionate about all that sort of stuff, and then, and then you know, well, because first of all, Darren, you like your photography, but you also, um, I think you you just want to do a good job with it, you know, you want to, yeah, you want to be able, it's, it's one, to be a beautiful you know, thing. At the end of the day, they're your photographs, but I want to be able to sort of present a book. And be mm. proud that I, I, you know, I had some kind of input, and yeah, and, and the, I think this la- latest book, you know, I'm really proud of the yeah, little, little I, details that people might not notice. It's no, like the, the head and tail bands on the, well, on the, on the spine actually was tell coordinated you. to fit the the end papers. You know, yes. the little touches that kind of yeah, you just the, you know, most people wouldn't see. Yeah. yeah. So um, I was going to point that out, actually, Darren, because I've got one client in the States who wrote to me about it. And he was, I don't know if you can see it on camera now, because I can't see myself. But um, so on the slipcase inside, I don't know if you can see it, there's green yes. in there. Yeah. And so I think that's what Darren was talking about there. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I've the had of the book on the spine. There's a little sort of band that the holds the, the pages together. Yeah. Yes. For the head and tail oh. band. Yeah. So you and that, that should all be coordinated as well. Yeah. Yes. And... So my, my, I had somebody write to me about that and he said to me the attention to detail was just like uh, 
wonderful. And I thought it was lovely that it's better if you don't have to tell people. Yeah. And the and they just, it's there and we know it's there subtle. Yeah, it's people subtle. Yeah. will you know appreciate it rather yeah, than it, it. Well, that's it. It's it's the foiling on the cover through to yeah. abandoned through yeah, yeah, to yeah. through to the end. No, no, you know, things that look so simple, just a choice of the colour for the foiling on, on yeah. different tonalities of, of cloth. Yeah. You know, you've got to find something that works across all three editions because, yes. you, don't, you know, it's mm. a complication to change the foil throughout yeah. on, on the books. So yeah. that's always, a you know, a big consideration every Which time is, we choose the colours. Yeah, just, just I uh, don't know about your audience, Ewan, but uh, so this book comes out in three editions. It's got like a, a standard edition, a sort of deluxe edition, and then we've got a, a very limited edition. And the limited edition is always black. Yeah. And then the standard edition was a light, a light grey, but it's not just like your, it's not just, a, it's not like, it's like a sort of bluey grey or something. It is, yeah. There's a hint of sort of green and, and blue in there. Mm. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's not your standard sort of 50% black yes. grey. Yeah. yeah. And then the sort of deluxe edition's got, it's more like a sort of slate grey, I think. Very nice. Um, and then, as Darren said, you've got the foil blocking that's just, you know, it's the silver stuff that's for the yeah, text. And, really and nice. it works, works across all three of them. Yeah, I, th I think it's, it's the, it works, as you say, just so well between mm. it and, and the, it's the small details when, you, when you're looking through a book that you really begin to appreciate and sets it apart from, yeah. from I, others as, as well. I would definitely say as well that um, it's a real luxury to get five books in. I thought, I thought I'd get no books printed. And, um, but even when we did the first one, I thought that was it. But we've learned, we, we keep learning all the time and every book just seems to end up becoming something that we didn't expect it to be. It's usually some manifest into something that's just kind of, I don't mean to sound like it's uh, haphazard or out with our control, but it's just, it becomes something more than what we were aiming for. Yeah. And um, they've all got their own personality in some ways, but the, the, for some reason, the, the whole execution of this one, I, you know, I think I'm with Darren in this one. Yeah. I, I'll let you in a little story about this actually about a month before the book actually arrived because Darren got the advanced copies before I did because I was away looking after my dad. So I just asked the printer to send them to Darren. And um, I was very despondent about it. I was starting to think that I just don't think the photographs are up to much. You know, th this is just like an insight into the whole, the kind of stuff you put yourself through, you see. Yep. And uh, and then the weird thing about it was when I actually, he phoned me up and he said to me, no, it's, it's beautiful, you should have a look at it. And then when the book arrived, I just, all of a sudden it was like, oh, it all makes sense now. And, There's a bit of fear there though, isn't there? When you get yeah. your first your first copies i think your advanced file copies that you know you think oh my god you know have a misnumbered a page or I, until you've actually got it and look through it i think i i always get worried you know no matter how many times we've proof checked it yes you know, it's it's always a worry until you actually physically get that I, copy in your hand and you can flip well through. i i and I, well for me personally just because of my photographs i think it was more i was worried about the photographs themselves i wasn't starting to feel like i i, I just started to lose confidence in the, in the, in the, in the, in the work basically until the book was published. And then the weird thing is it's a bit like any photograph. Like if you have photographs, I always find it really funny that a lot of people don't print photographs. And, but when you have a photograph on a screen, it, look, it can look nice, but when you print it, it looks nicer. When you put it in a mat, it looks even nicer. When you put it in a frame, it looks spectacular. When you put it on a wall, it feels like a completed piece of work yeah and I, and I think the same thing about putting a book together but they might send you all these kind of prints of this is what it's going to look like on this piece of paper and everything like that but once you actually the book arrives and it's bound 
and it's got the cloth cover and it's got the presentation with the font on it and you're opening it up like a real completed article. It almost puts like an underline on the work and and all of a sudden the whole work just becomes a, 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 a greater than some of its parts, you know, it's that sort of thing. Yes. And so that that's what I was trying to get to was I was, because they've been sending me all these little itsy bitsy things and I just wasn't really feeling it until the book finally arrived and it was like, wow, this is great. I'm really happy with this. Yeah, and it's uh, obviously the last previous couple of books have both been soft covers, and this one you went for the hardback. So was there a was there a particular reason as to why you maybe went for the slightly different format this time? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, simple answer there. Well, uh, well, I, I think I think Darren probably feels that I, I should say this. I should say it because. Um, because it's all my work and stuff like that. But so what happened? Just say it's actually third book. So what happened was we put, we printed the two first hardbacks. Yes. And the problem is there's a massive amount of cost in getting those printed. Yeah. And the lowest print quote volume you could get was a thousand. Right. And then the third the third book wasn't even meant to be a, a book. I was I was at on landscape with you yep. guys, and then I went to Darren's afterwards, and I was telling them I'm thinking about putting an exhibition together, and I just want a sort of like a little presentation leaflet, and this presentation leaflet over two days turned out to be this soft <laughs> book because because Darren was trying to show me this is a really economical way of printing, and I can't I don't color plan or something is that right, Darren? Yeah, yeah, I think the cover's um, GF Smith color plan, plan. Yeah. right? Um, so. I, I think Darren should really talk about this because I don't really know, but I'll just give you it from my point of view that ultimately I was looking for, to do something really cost in a co cost effective. And over a couple of days, it migrated into being this actual small 10 inch book. And then everybody loved the small 10 inch book so much that we thought we'd do Alto Plano the same way. Yeah. And then we started getting lots of female feedback from people saying things like it would be lovely to get a hardback. And I just hadn't had the confidence to go and print another hardback again. I thought the cost would be too much. Yeah. Well, I'll, let, I'll let Darren fill in. Yeah, I mean, I think, to be, to be fair, you and I think a lot of it is down to cost. You know, Absolutely. Bruce yeah. and I obviously plough all our own cash into, on, into the books. Yeah. And there's quite a substantial difference, or there can be, yeah. in, in doing a hardback book yeah. than there is a perfect bound soft yes. book. You know? And yeah. because I think <clears throat> Colour Chrome was never really intended to be a book, it, like, it, like Bruce said, it just kind of, exhibition catalogue you know it just happened out of nowhere and um much smaller book you know, and i think yeah. you know if you don't mind me saying Bruce, i think you know you and i've both had a, a conversation about potentially redoing altiplano as a hardback yeah, yeah. because I yeah think the, the work in there deserves to be in a hardback i think i think, that, I think you know, yeah no no i i'm not offended by you saying that at all and um i i i think i think the same i it's not that I'm disappointed with the softback from hard from Alto Plano. I'm really happy with the book. I just think that it would just be a much more finished product if yeah. if it was a hardback, yeah. especially especially after I saw this one with the cloth bound uh, cloth bound stuff. I because I, I, part of the problem was that you know to get a thousand copies printed it costs an awful lot, and every every printer that we went to who did hardbacks, the minimum they would do was a thousand. And most people, yeah. before we started this thing, like I was thinking about getting 3000 printed. I, I thought 3000 wasn't a lot. And then when we got a thousand printed, it turned up, there were like, I think it was four pallets that turned up. And I was just thinking, oh my God. And it took us about five or six years to sell them all because 
I've written about this in the blog. You'll yeah. get a, you'll get a big immediate spike in sales, and then all of a sudden it will just drop off very suddenly, and all of a sudden you're you're selling one or two copies a month. So, and I say this because if you're the kind of person that loves buying books, you've got to try and understand why some of these things are limited. Because people are saying to me, "I hope you're going to do a reprint," and they don't really understand that. Um, you know, it's you've you've got there's a small market out there for what you're doing, and. And what we've been, what I feel that Darren and myself have been toying with over the last 10 years is we've been trying to find that balance between a really, really high quality book and trying to make it uh, so it's not cost prohibitive. Yeah. And when we got to Color Chrome, a lot of people told me loved the format of it. It was a tiny, tiny, it was a, it's a quite, quite a modest book really. And, um, and then I, I just didn't have the confidence to like a thousand copies getting printed hardback is all very fine and well, but getting like 300 copies printed hardback can just make the, you'll find that sometimes to get 300 printed, it'll cost you the same amount as it would to get a thousand copies printed. Yes, yeah. That's what you'll sometimes find. So in for, for, for years, me and Darren had just decided that just what well, it was a no-go zone. And uh, well, it's probably my my view personally, I think. And um, and then even with how, lend, how lendy, um, because it was basically 20 pounds more on top of the cost of the Alto Plano book. Yeah. I was worried that it was going to break the camel's back, despite I had people in workshops with me telling me 60 pounds for a book, it's nothing, but I'd pay it. But I'm thinking that's not everybody. So, yeah. so, so there is a very interesting boundary with this when you're, you've got to, you can, there's a danger when you get into pushing your first book out, putting your first book out that you, that you go over grand on it and you, my analogy is like you buy you buy a central second property to, as a rental and you start personalizing it because you get too carried away with it yes and, and it's the same idea you can when you're first boot you can overgrand it and yeah. before and to the point that people aren't going to notice all those subtleties you've done and yet you're not going to actually make any money out of it yeah. and and there there is a good balance there where you can actually come with a really nice book and um and you can you can hopefully still earn a living from it, yeah. and and then what happened with Howlandy? I think that we'd set the, the the point with a few other books. We'd seen that they sold quite quickly. The Color Chrome and Alto yeah. Plano they sold quite quickly, and and even Darren was saying to me, and he said you could easily do a hardback now. It's, yeah, you know, mm. yeah. yeah. I think it's nice that we still keep it quite limited numbers. Yeah, yeah. because I, I like the fact that it's a it's something an object of beauty, and you know, it's 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 desirable because there aren't many. Absolutely. I think I just it just wouldn't have the same feel if we flooded it, you know, like with two or three thousand copies and well you know, we probably it, could sell a thousand, I'm sure, of each one. But it I think for us it's it's just it just makes it feel special. The fact yeah. that you know it's, we don't it's sell a, out to the point where we we're you know we're printing it just to make money because that's yes. not really the point. I, yeah. I, I like I like the view that it's like a performance. It, it's for a long time I've actually sort of thought that um you know, photographs aren't really treated as art by a lot of people because they're so easily reproducible. Yeah. And, you know, if it's an oil painting, they'll pay more money for it. They'll go down to a local gallery in a, in a seaside town and pay a couple of thousand pounds for a print, for a, for a, sorry, for a, an oil painting, but they won't spend money on a, on a print because they know it's easily reproducible. And I've often felt that it'd be kind of interesting just to edit the pictures, print them once, and they just throw away everything else. And, and so that's kind of my way of getting getting out of my system is by doing these limited runs yeah you're just saying that's where i was as an artist if you like at that particular period and that that book was published at that time to represent what you were doing at that time yeah and um 
you know, so um, I, 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 the reason why I'm sort of adding all this input, Ewan, is that I think that people who don't print books, whatever, don't have that insight into all the kind of constraints that you're under. Um, it's not just the cost, it's also about the storage about things. One of the things I really love about a limited run as well is that you can actually, if you, if you sell it out, um, you don't have this ongoing logistical problem of, of fulfilling orders over the next five years. It's just yes. it's done yeah. and the, it, you've got a clean cut and you can move on to the next project. project. Yeah. Um, and, you, and your spare room isn't full of books. Well, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I think with the first book, I think, you know, Bruce and I sort of found out, you know, where we were storing them. Um, at yeah. Gethi, that yeah. even humidity... Yes. where they're being stored was starting to ruin them so i think we ended up buying a dehumidifier didn't we so, you know yeah, so yeah. no there was a there was a high group there was a high yes that's right there was there yeah. was a high hygrometer down there and in fact uh, i moved the books out of there two years ago but she told me that the basement flooded this year and she's now thinking about selling the whole property this is on the water of leith in edinburgh if you, if you know okay. edinburgh. yeah i do um and so like if you're going up from the waterfront <clears throat> and you're looking over this like a these kind of like they look like bond warehouses and she's got a an office that's one of those old bonds you know where they used to store um vats and stuff and in the basement there if you go down in the basement it feels like you're taking a step back in you know 200 years and um but sure enough you know, when i went down you could see the water was seeping up mm-hmm. and uh, i'd had a specialist come to check it out but even when we were talking to the you know the, the printers and stuff like that they were saying to me where are you going to store it because a lot of people think they're going to put them in their garage or their attic and books just, they're not going to, massive temperature variances like that, you're going to end up with books with like warped pages, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. You, you don't want that. And um, I think there's a tendency to overestimate and think that you're you're going to sell more than you might. You're probably better to sell, fewer. To sell yeah, to sell out sooner mm. um, yeah. than, than, than to be left with extra copies, I think. Mm. Yeah. And so... Obviously, it's a different hard, hard, hardback as opposed to the pre formats. But do you, do the two of you spend a lot of time working with the printers? To I know we've obviously talked about yeah. in terms of the number of the number of samples and different variations. But yeah. just interested to know how how much work is spent with printers to to get the the best out of them. Yeah, I mean, I, it's probably easy if I sort of explain this bit, Bruce, because it's hmm. actually as a designer, I have to specify the book so yep. what, what paper what weight of the paper what kind of bonding we're going to use you know what what kind of end papers um, yep. so many variables that that determine how the finished book will look and then you've obviously then got to put all that into some kind of quote which can take a long long time to sort out and then send it off to various printers and then wait for the quotes to come back and then you know then one of them will say well we can't get that paper but we can get this paper Yes, we can only get it at 175 grams rather than 170 grams. So there's a lot of toing and froing before it gets to the point where you're actually physically sending off, you know, digital artwork ready files. Yes. So I would say each book, there's probably before it actually gets published. I think Bruce and I spend a good six months pretty solid on it. You know, from from the design stages to the quotes to maybe changing the cloth or getting cloth samples. You know, there's a lot, there's a, it's very, very involved. Um, and a lot of people don't see that side of it. Yeah, because I mean, from, I'm, I'm the complete layman here. You know, I, I might know about my own photographs, but I don't know about what a French dust 
jacket is or I didn't even know what foil blocking was until I started working with Darren and so like trying to go into that whole printing thing without knowing any of this terminology is just like it, it, it's just going to be overwhelming yeah and then you know, minefield. and even when Darren sends me the sends me here's the spec here's the spec I'm looking through it and I'm thinking it could be in another language it really could <laughs> double <laughs> dutch but, yeah, but you it know I mean, it's all yeah. it's all tech speak really yes. but, but I'm also very aware that there's a lot of thought going into it because if you stuff up on it it's going to come back to bite you later on yeah yeah. There's, no, there's no return. Um, all the printers usually work by you pay them up front, then they do the work. And so you you don't want to get something wrong, especially with the design. Imagine if the book turns up and you discover that you've got the last page upside down or, you know, that yes. sort of thing. Um, I'm sure they, I'm sure things like this happen. I'm sure they do. And so you find that you've got to, you've got to, so actually that's another thing about even like type checking the, you know, the, the, um, getting proofreaders, uh, professional proofreaders and stuff for the book is that like Neil McElwraith from Beyond Words. Yes. Uh, Neil said to me years ago, he said to me, um, every almost every book has got an error in it, Bruce. He said, you know, the, the, it's a, a typographical error in it somewhere or spelling mistake or something like that. And and um, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say anything about our books because the problem is if I tell anybody anything they start looking for it. So, so I'm not going <laughs> to mention any. Exactly, Darren. There aren't any. There aren't any. But uh, it's um, when we got round to printing the very first book. I don't know if Darren remembers this, but um, I'd had like two two professional proofreaders, and I'd also had a bunch of university college professors and English professors that I knew from my trips, I'd sent them on and they'd all did some work on it for me, which was very nice of them too. And only to find out that nobody checks the titles. <laughs> um, because we had we had one, one uh, instead of it saying Bolivian Altiplano, we, would, we sent it to the printer and the printer wrote back to us and said, they have a problem with this page. And while I was looking at the page, I thought, oh my God, the title says Bolovino Altiplano. <laughs> And, and I thought it was just complete fluke that, that they, they'd written to us about a completely different separate issue. And it was about, and, and it was the title was completely nonsense. And I thought, well, imagine publishing that book and you've got that title completely yeah. bollocked up. And, and I've, I've, I've found that, so I've looked into this quite a lot and you find that a lot of people, they don't read the words off and the intent sentences. And uh, a lot of people don't even check, uh, they don't spell check or just, you know, check uh, titles of, of, of books and things like that. <laughs> So you've got to be really, really ultra, yeah. ultra, ultra careful with it. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with Altiplano as well. You can't spell check any of those. That's right. Yes. It's all <laughs> half of, half of yeah, it's in Spanish. It just comes up with you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what they're yeah, saying. Yeah. It, might, it might be something very derogatory about me or something. I don't know. But, you know, <laughs> just, you know, uh, but yeah, so that, because I, I did fancy the idea of like, the Altiplano because it was all photographs from uh, Bolivia mostly. Yeah. Um, uh, I wanted to have, I thought it would be, a respectful thing to have it in Spanish. And now I've just got to the point, I'm just thinking these things are just more trouble than they're worth, really, to be honest. Um, so like with the Howlandy, I did toy with the idea of actually having sections of it in Icelandic too. But um, Icelandic people, when you meet them, I don't know. Have you been to Iceland, Ewan? Yes, I have. I've been yeah. a couple of times. Not, right. to the, not to the Highlands, unfortunately, but there's always well, a day. they all speak fantastic English anyway, do, so yes. it's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Every, everywhere speaks fantastic English. You generally I think, find. I think they actually, I think they actually speak better English than than, than I do. That's the thing, you know. The, yes. The, so. Well, actually, I look, I look forward to seeing the Japanese titles in the Hokkaido book. I'll be, a, I'll yeah. Be well, a, they're in there. Yeah, they're in there. Yeah, yeah. 
There's, there's even a there's a bit of haiku in there too. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not me. I haven't done the haiku. <laughs> um, so. Yeah. Yes. So yeah. <laughs> moving moving on to I suppose there's a lot of time spent thinking about it. Do you then will you then take what you've produced for Highlandai and use that moving forwards as a not so much as a template, but as a, maybe as a starting point for for where your thoughts will be for the for future books, such yeah, as the, th- the Hokkaido book. And will, will it be used as a right? Okay, we, we've got this. This is a general mm-hmm. structure. We'll we'll take these ideas and we'll now utilize them in in the next book that we're going to do. Yeah, I mean, I think when we started doing the book, I, I, certainly with the the Art of Adventure, which was the first book. Yeah, it was a kind of leap of faith, really. And like Bruce said, you know, you'd be probably never expected to do another book. But I think since the sort of um, the Journal of Nocturnes, we've almost created a sort of, well, the idea was to sort of create a, a sort of Bruce Percy brand yes. that actually was instantly recognisable as, as Bruce's work, whether that's to do with the actual format or the font that's used. Yeah. So, you know, I think with, with this latest book, that's, I think we've almost perfected that. For yeah. me, that that's sort of, at the moment is something I'm, you know, very, very happy with. And yeah. going forward, you know, that, that kind of. That, that, that's, that, that's how I feel about it, Darren, too. Yeah. I, feel, I feel that we have reached the pinnacle with it. There. Yeah. Do, yeah. Mm. So whether we carry on with that sort of, that sort of brand identity, I don't know. I mean, it obviously it works, but, you know, we were looking, we would, were discussing that possibly using a slightly different font for the Hokkaido book, or we're looking at doing a, rather than a, a bright white paper, maybe doing something that's a softer white. Yeah. You know, so there might be sort of small variations within the yes. theme. Yeah. But, I th- you know, I think at the moment, what we're doing works. And, you know, I'm very comfortable with how it looks. Um, I presume you are, Bruce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, well, no, well, now that, now, now that you mention it, <laughs> number two, well, uh, well, I just want to add to that, that uh, what was going through my mind was that I think that every book leads on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. it does. It's, yeah. Like, it's like yeah. a stepping stone. You mm-hmm. learn so much from that. It's not just about learning about what worked and what didn't work. Uh, I think that it, they, they just somehow just make the path. I, if you imagine you've got like a torch in the dark and you're, you've got these, these kind of like stepping stones, you can only see the next stepping stone so far ahead of you with the head torch. And I think it's the same sort of idea as that, that, you know, if you'd asked us about what we were going to do with Hokkaido two books back, we probably couldn't have answered that. Yes. And and I think that now that we've done Howlandy, I think that we're a bit clearer about where we're going to go with this. And and I and I and I think that um, there is a sort of certain style. But Darren came up with this idea that we're going to do these three books, where they were going to kind of look. Well, there was a there's a consistency and a brand thing that he was talking about there. So it started off with color chrome, and then we broke the mold a bit by going up to a 12 inch sort of book rather than a 10 inch one. And then we, the idea was we're going to re- repeat that. Yes. Um, but Hokkaido seems to be because of the you know kanji language and stuff like that, you know, through the Japanese language and all these uh, katakana and kanji. Um, that's kind of, it's just forcing it to take itself in its own little direction. Yeah. So it's not going to be too massively dissimilar, but it's, it'll still think, I think it'll look like a Bruce Percy book, but it's, that it's going to have a Japanese slant on that, I think, now. 
That'll be very nice. Sounds. Yeah. And how 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 is the the sequencing and the work coming along for that? I've obviously seen you've been posting some blog posts, oh, writing about it. Well, and... That that that's all done. The content of the book's all done, really. Yeah. Um. What we've been doing is that it's it, like like we were saying earlier on. It just takes a lot of time when you start discussing about materials. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, we sorted some paper samples out. I think we've found a paper that's slightly warmer that we're yeah. happy with. Um, yeah. Again, you know, then that has to then be put into a quote, and it yes. could turn out to be astronomically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, with, in, in price, so you know that that's something we've got to consider as well. It, everything always, everything's always more extended out than you think it's going to be. Every time yeah. you think that you're going to be almost ready to get round to printing it, you find that you, another a month has gone by because you're still waiting for the printers to get back to you about something that you hadn't like uh, the UGR thing we're talking about for the fine tonal printing for the last book, we didn't see that one coming. And um, so just, you've just got to understand that the whole thing's fluid. Yes. And, uh, and I, and I, it's, it's a birth, it's a birth, but it, sometimes it just takes a long time and it's, it's an evolving thing. And sometimes what you started off with doesn't end up being what you've actually finally end up with either. You, you, and I think it's, it's okay to give yourself complete permission to see actually, well, maybe based on the information we've had back from a printer or whatever, we're going to start steering in this direction instead. So, so this is, this is kind of things what happened. So at the moment we've got quotes out to, uh, well, we've definitely, there's one printer that we're really keen on and we're just waiting to hear back about that one. And then we'll just see what happens with that one because it might find out that it's, it, there's complications with the paper type or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. So talking about books, obviously, I'm sure you probably have a number of books in your own personal collections that you enjoy, take inspiration from. Um, what are what are some of what are some of those books, Stephen? It's a podcast all about books. So it would be great to know what uh, what inspires both Bruce and Darren, if anything. I, I think I think Darren should go because he's the book, he's the bookaholic <coughs> or Vontaholic. Vontaholic. <laughs> yeah. I mean I think Initially, what draws me to a book? I mean, it's like it's like you know when you kind of used to go into HMV or whatever, and sometimes you'd buy an album just on the on the cover. Yes, mm, not a good clue true. what the artist's like. Yeah, uh, and it's a 50-50 <laughs> chance you'll get home and it'll be absolute crap, yep. or it'll be something fantastic that you discovered. You know, and for me, I always think that a poorly designed book, if someone's not kind of thought about the design. I'm always dubious to the quality of the photography inside because mm. I think, you know, yes. if you've got an eye for a great photograph, you should also have an eye for design and how yep. you want it presented. So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm completely design-led on, on books, but I have yep. bought quite a few books on the, you know, the, the actual physical cover and the way the book's put together. Yep. And I would say 99% of the time, you know, it proves to be the right choice because yeah. the photography inside it's great. So I will start with... Now, strangely enough, every one I've chosen, they either seem to what be talking about? a name that I can't pronounce. So this is Harkin Strand, Silent. Yes. Very nice book. I really, really like it. Mean, it's very sort of Kenner-esque, I would say. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I was sold on the cover straight away. It's something. Yeah. Well, there's, there's three different covers. Oh, are they? I've not seen yes. that. Yeah, right. if I think on if on his web on his website, yeah, there are three different covers for oh, okay. for that book. But yes, I, I told I, me that because I'm going to try and get a hold of the other two. I agree with you. I don't know which cover I've got, but I've certainly got it somewhere. Oh, there it is. 
Yeah, so I've probably got the same yes, same yeah, cover as you. Yes, yeah. but the, yeah. a beautiful book. It is a beautiful Whoa. book. You know, it's, it's it's beautiful to look through. The, the the stock it's printed on is fantastic. Yeah, um, that's that's all. I mean, to me, that's what I think. A, a book is an object of art. Yes, and uh, it's, I, it's something you want to touch and yeah, yeah. you know and. Um, you know, so it's, it's interesting, like when you're printing books yourself, that um, a, a lot of people are what they're who are buying the books that, that Darren and myself are doing is it, they come with the limited edition prints, but they're 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 taking the prints out to put them on the wall, which is lovely. Um, but I also feel that well, it's somehow the whole thing's like a concept, and it's just a wrapped up body of art and its own. It's a present. It's a it's a statement. It's a statement. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to look for. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so this book, it's one of the ones I keep returning to. And I always think that, you know, the sign of a good book is a book that you'll return to. Yeah. You know, I've got I've got hundreds of books and I probably don't look at more than 10% of them on a regular basis, you know. And for me, that that is a sign of a great book, whether it's yeah. the look and the feel and the weight of the book. Um, but it's got all got to work together. You know, there's no point in having a beautifully designed book, like I said, and have images that are totally uninspiring inside it. Yes, you'll probably never pick it back up again. It'll sit on the shelf so everyone can see the nice cover. Yeah, but it, other than that, it, you know, it, it's it's a failure in my eyes. Um, it's it's an interesting point. I was, I was thinking about Steve McCurry when he did that massive book, Darren. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a lot of the images were spread over two pages. And to me, an image, one image being spread over two pages, a no go. Personally, yeah. for, just for me, yeah. it, it's a no go. It's, it's yeah. a deal breaker. Yeah. And and I and and. So what you're saying, I totally get that as well. It's like the work can be beautiful, but if it's badly laid out or something, you're just not, you're going to walk away from it, I think. Yeah. You know, and it's not interesting. So, yeah. So I'll go into my second book. Now, again, Swedish, Jan Tove or Tove. Mm-hmm. Right. Silent Landscape. Very nice. Yep. Beautiful book. Um, and for me, the, you just know when a photographer's got a great eye you know, for composition or tonality. And it, it's just beautiful. I mean, the, the cover image alone, I mean, obviously people won't be able to see me showing you this, but yes. it's, I just love it. You know, again, it's a book I return to over and over and over again. And for me, the, the best compliment I can make for any any book is that after after looking through it, it makes me want to go out and get my camera and go out and take some images. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, and there are very few books that do that for me. And, and that's one of them. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just wish I lived in Sweden, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, beautiful book, beautiful design, very simple, very clean, um, but a, a fantastic photographer with a, with a great eye. And now I'm going on to my next one. I think I've only got, probably got three. And this is a name I can't pronounce, Danila Chachenko, which is Restricted Areas, which is um, Mm. Dewey Lewis publication. And this is one of those books. I'd seen a few images from it. Um, I can't remember where I've seen them. I think they were floating around on the net somewhere. And I've seen these images. I was very curious. They they were really beautiful images. Um, But when I actually saw the book was out, I mean, the design of it is absolutely beautiful. So it's sort of printed on a on a grey board with an embossing, and right. the book opens like that, and then oh, right. opens right. like, like that. that. Oh wow! And nice. it's absolutely beautiful. The images are really nice. I, mean, they're taken, I think they're taken in um, sort of 
Russian military establishments. I mean, you've got, I'm trying to find a, a, a great image, but they're just absolutely stunning. And they're very, very minimalist. Um, but the whole book, again, is when I, you know, when I'm feeling a little bit low and a bit uninspired, I'll go and pick it off the shelf, you know, yeah. and, and have a look through it. And it just lifts the spirits, really, for me, you know. And, that, and then, that, that, yeah, it's the important part. That's what it's. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You, you want you want your book to take you somewhere else. Yeah. You know, when I'm sat and it's peeing it in my office, looking out the window and it's peeing it down with rain and I, you know, I'm fed up and I'm, I don't feel inspired or anything. And it's the same for a novel or, you know, any kind of book, any printed matter. For me, it should take you somewhere else. And, you know, these books that I picked out do. Um, and then a problem, my final one, which I can't seem to find, is um, With Trees with by Dav Thomas. Well, yes. right. Yeah. And that was the kind of book that, because I was always, <laughs> felt a little bit nerdy because I, I always enjoyed being in really chaotic woodland and, and taking pictures of things that most people would just walk by. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I kept... To be fair, I'd, I'd been doing it for quite a few years before Dav's book came out, but I'd never really shown the work to anyone because I'd always think, you know, I, I was kind of of the opinion that no one's really interested in, you know, some bramble thicket or, a, you know, a chaotic woodland full of deadfall. And um, yeah, and then then Dav published um, through Triple Kite. And yeah, again, it's one of those books that actually had, had gravitas to it to, for yeah. me. And I thought, you know, someone else is doing that. Someone else is appreciating it. I'm not the only person that... Yeah, that, 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 that's, sort of that's, that's, that's an interesting point. And it's also, I'd, I'd noticed certainly on um, uh, social media at the time that there, all of a sudden there was a... After Dav published that book, there was an awful lot of photographers starting to come out with like those kind of like very condensed yeah. forest shots. I was going to say they all came out of the woodwork. Would that be a bit of a... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know it's, it's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so it's kind of interesting that you know you, it's it's a shame that that um, I, I think art should be about individuality, and uh, people being uh, the, there's so many people trying to trying to make their stuff or their whether it's sound or music or whether it's like photography trying to make it look like or sound like something else, some, somebody else. Uh, or fit fit a certain mold. If you think back to all the records in the '60s, they sound like they're from the '60s. Yeah. And every so often, you get some artist comes along that just doesn't doesn't conform to it. Like, um, well, I was thinking about what's our chap that we that we both like, darn um, Scott Scott Walker. Yeah. So so you get somebody like that coming along that just kind of breaks the whole mold of it. And I think that's that that's what you want. So it's kind of interesting that you know, in some respects, what you're saying is Dav's giving you permission. Yeah, that's what it felt like. It was permissible yeah, to actually, yeah. you know, like walking around what mm. most people would consider. It's, o- it's okay. You're, you're not. You're not strange after all. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I, I'm I'm convinced anyway about photographers in general that my all my school friends. I think they all just think that I'm just like it's like photography is the same thing as train spotting. <laughs> I, I really do think they just think that he's just mentally unsound. That's all. That's what they think. So, um, and I, and I think I think most of us photographers we're we're, we're slightly visual obsessive. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed with. It. I think probably you're you're probably the same, Bruce. But even doing things like you know looking out my window, I'll find that I'm looking at something and then I'm moving five inches to the left because I'm not happy with the composition. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I've got a funny story. I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, I, actually, I'm really a psychiatrist. Out there, I'm, you know. Well, actually, I've met a few of them on my trips because I told people that I'm compulsive obsessive about 
every time I look at um, street signs and stuff like that, I end up counting all the characters and the words yeah. and see if they balance, yeah. balance up. Yeah. And uh, I had a psychiatrist one of trips and I said to him, is that, is that something I should be concerned about? He said, is it, effect, is it affecting your life? And I said, no. And he said, well, no. Yeah. That, 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 that's their yeah. definition. It's only an illness yeah. if, it's, if it's causing yeah. problems to the rest yeah. of your life. Otherwise, he probably thought I was going to start even mad. But um, <laughs> you know, uh. yeah, and I guess my, my last book again, probably I'll, I'll throw this one in. But yeah, I, I guess probably what I considered to be a sort of benchmark landscape book when I when I got it, and I, st- I still think it, it's up there in my top one or two, which is Paul Wakefield's Landscape. Yeah. Um, again, it's you know, it was. I would say unwieldy because of its size, but I kind of quite like that. It doesn't; it's not very easy to handle. Yeah. But something about something about that book that, out of all the books, I think that I refer back to, that book is probably the one I, I visit the most. Yeah, you know, it's just quality all the way through. Yeah, I would agree. And, um, yeah, I can't fault I, it. You know, I, it, I would, for me, it's just a, a lovely book. I would definitely say to you, it's a very interesting point about like. Um, the size of an object, you know, in terms of like how easy it is to handle. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then also the logistics. If if you're thinking about printing your own book, is trying to think about shipping it. Yeah. As well. Yeah. Um, but, we, but, but, we found that out, didn't we? Bruce? Yeah, we did. We did. There's a couple of times we went, "Oh, oh, this is a problem." Cheaper <laughs> to send a breeze block through the post, I think. Yeah. So there there is a problem like that, and uh, uh, you've got to, you know. Logistically, I, I I was going to mean to ask you, Darren. I don't know. Did you did you help Sam Gregory with his book? Um, yeah, I spoke to him about it. Yeah, right. I mean, you know, sort of paper choices and, and certain things, but because not... he, did, he he did a perfect book. It's a small, yeah, small... Yes. Yes. yeah, yeah, beautiful little book. Yeah, it is. And I, I thought that's if you're if you're just keen to publish your own book and you know you've not got a big budget. Just go small. Go just yeah, go, yeah, go yeah. modest on it. I get just as much pleasure from a smaller yeah, book, like, like John Gibbs's yeah. recent yeah. book. Whispers, yeah, yeah, no, I love that. You know, it's yeah. just it's beautiful, and it doesn't have to be a hardback in the size of a that's right. You know, a paving slab. It, it, yes, for me, it's I agree. a great little book. Yeah, yeah. And, and just to get back to Paul Weeks's work as well, is that I it was so interesting because I'd been following Paul now for about twenty years, and um, has he got an exclusion order on you now? <laughs> no. Well, you know the thing. The, 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 <laughs> <laughs> the, the the thing is that um, it was so weird when he published that book because I knew the picture so well from his website, and on his website he didn't have any titles. He didn't tell you there was no name. Yeah. No brand. And yeah. I think there's something powerful about that because I got in touch with him about this is maybe about oh, seven years ago. There was a picture on his website that I was convinced was Patagonia, and I thought, but it's it's a it's a it's a viewpoint in Patagonia I've never seen before. And I wrote to him and I said to him. Could I just ask you, Paul, is that Torres del Paine National Park? And it's a view I'm not familiar with. And he did get back to me, but he didn't answer the question. But but what he did was he just he said to me, Don't you think an image is much more compelling when you don't explain it to people, you don't tell them the title? And I think there's something in that. There really is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Because and still, it's, it's a visual art. So yes. yeah. the fact you've got to put a narrative next to a picture to explain it, then surely. Exactly, is. because it's yeah. it's it's a visual representation of what it, you see. A, if the, you have to explain it to someone, then yes, it lost its power. So and so the other thing about it was when I bought when I finally got that copy of the book and was delighted to find it where they were and actually con- confirmed to myself where it was that location. 
thanks Paul, um, <laughs> was that um, it was a bit of a shocker to me to go through a lot of the places and discover that, oh, he, he's been much more of an influence on me than I thought he had. Mm. I just, yeah. I, I, I thought, I thought, I thought I was just one big Kenner, Michael Kenner clone. But, but when, when I when I got into Paul's stuff, I was going, oh right, I've been there and I've been there and I, oh, oh right, okay, <laughs> yeah. this yeah. is really quite. And then actually, um, Adrian that I know who runs workshops in the northwest of Scotland, he he deals with Paul when he's running workshops, and he said to me, the funny thing about Paul Bruce, he said Paul is he he only wants to shoot if there's no light there at all, like no contrast. Mm really overcast dull dull days yeah. and i just looked at him and i said oh my god that's exactly what i'm trying to do yeah so i, I it was that point i just realized that he, he's had such a massive impact on me and i just wasn't even aware of it yeah yeah um yeah, yeah it's a beautiful book as well and the, the work's just it's it, it's a borderline of this really graphical yeah, yeah. in there i mean the images and, to me look timeless you know yes yeah they've never aged for me and a lot of landscape photography can be sort of of the moment yeah. And, I, and I think Paul's isn't, you know, it, it's, it's classic landscape, but beautifully yeah. observed. Yeah, I think so. There's, there's no sort of hero. You don't get any sort of feeling of any hero sort of, there's a hero shot here or anything. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's all very understated. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it's, and it's confident as well. It just says, this is just what it is. Yeah. And, and, you know, you, you just get sucked right into it. A beautiful atmosphere mm. as well. Across, it is. Across his work. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Once, you, once you can find a shelf big enough to, <laughs> to, put, to put it on. It's not well, that big. You've got plenty of shelves, so you'll be all right. I think I it's sold out there, actually, isn't it? I know, no, you can you can still get, he's still got a few copies on his website. Yeah, which right. I, which always amazes me that it hasn't sold yeah. out because anyone who anyone who talks about the book, raves about the book, yeah. because, yeah. because they, they do. But when I was through in North Berwick, back when we were allowed to travel somewhere and I, I was catching up with uh, Neil at Beyond Words and he was saying, he's saying you, Paul was one person that you will always get a constant stream of orders coming in for right. his, for his yeah. book. It's one yeah. that's just a, it's yeah. a regular flow and you can understand because I think as soon as you mention the book to someone when they've not heard about it, they'll go yeah. and take a look and I would say more often than not, they're probably likely to buy it. If, well, that's right. I, and, and also like even like... Um, uh, at Adrian's workshop, it was it was actually Joe Cornish, David Ward, and Paul Wakefield, and David and Joe were kind of very referential towards Paul. They were kind of like the. I think if you talk to Joe, Joe would say that Paul Wakefield's been a massive influence on him. I am putting what in his words in his own mouth there, but I, I from what my impression, that's that's the way it comes over. That yeah, um, you know, and there's it's. See the thing about Paul's work, it's not just come out in the in the last five, ten years when out of this whole digital revolution. It, it happened before social media, all that stuff, all that works there. And it's just it, in some respects it feels much more contemplative. Mm. Because because yeah. I do think that there's an awful lot of work coming out now. And I, I'm not entirely sure how much how contemplative some of it is, because <laughs> there there's a there's there's maybe a, a a force behind sometimes feeling that you have to deliver for these platforms and things like that and yeah. some people in some yeah. people's minds yeah. but in paul's work you just look at it and it just it feels very very it's um it just feels very organic i think mm. what yeah. I'm looking for. yeah i agree okay bruce over to you now with uh, some of your books all right well i don't actually have any photographs about books i don't like books 
Nice, <laughs> nice, nice, short, nice, short and sweet there. Yeah, that's straight, a done. That's a done. Straight, straight, straight to the point. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, Darren. Cheers, guys. Well, right. Well, look, um, it's very interesting because I remember um, I know Neil from Beyond Words quite well, and he said to me years ago because every time that I like, like, um, um, what's it? Power? Uh, what's his first name? Something Power? Um, Martin Parr, Martin yeah. Parr, that's, that's right. Sorry, senior moment again. Martin Parr. Um, so Neil knows just about every massively famous photographer that's had a book launch and at some point. And Neil was telling me one of the interesting facts about them all is that they don't buy books that follow their own style. That a lot of them, for, you know, if, they, if they're landscape photographer, you'll probably find that a lot of them don't actually buy landscape books. And if they're a street photographer, they don't buy street photography books. Right. And uh, it's kind of similar for me a wee bit. I do buy landscape photography books, but not an awful lot. And I love a lot of reportage. That's what I tend to get yep. into. So I always mentioned to an email that, like, I love, like, things like Elliot Erwitt, um, yeah. all the Magnum photo agency stuff. Yeah. Just, yeah. just love it. I think a lot of Elliot Erwitt's work's really contrived deliberately so it's it's been it's been put together in a way that it's, it didn't really happen like that he's he's orchestrated it but it's yeah. but it, but it's still brilliant i think it's great um so it was very difficult to come up with four um i've got to say i'll limit otherwise you could end up to, we could end up talking about well, hours to be perfectly well, that's honest <laughs> and and a top 10 a top 10 is a bit sort of so so what you end up trying to do is you end up trying to look for something that's going to give like a um a broad representation of what you where yeah. you're coming from so so the, one of the conversations we've had tonight was about some of these books help you reconnect to photography or maybe take you back so the book that does it for me is um galen rowell's mountain light mm. right that yeah. one every time that i've now you know in the last 10 years when you're running a business you do get times where you get burned out and you just think that i've even had periods where i've really kind of questioned whether i'm want to carry on with it and you just realize that you're just needing some time away from the whole thing. But when I go and pick out, like, um, like we're talking about Joe Cornish's First Light there, which is another one. But if I bring out Mountain Light by Galen Rowell, I remember that was one of the first books I remember buying in actual Neil's bookshop <laughs> when I just got into photography. And as soon as I reconnect with that book, he doesn't talk about a single short speed or f-stop in it. It's all just about being out there. It's all about the yeah. adventure. Yeah. It's all just about, it's all about being alive. And and the, the the photography style at the time was probably something that I did aspire to because I think my earlier work was quite strong in color and things like that. And I've since moved away from that, but I still reconnect that book. So to me, I think that's still a great Bible book to, if you're getting into photography and you just, it's not just about learning. It's not really about technique. It's more about just the philosophy and just getting out there and being there. And it just, every time I read it, it's way like Darren said, every time that you read it, I just want to get my camera and go out the door again. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reconnects me back to that person I was in 2000 when I first got into photography. Yeah. So that's a massive bit. I've actually got two copies of it now because the last time it got republished, I was around at Neil's and he just said to me, I've got one here, so I'll take it. <laughs> it's, it it's so important to me. It's just, it's, it's just, you know, it's part of my thing. Um, and so the other one landscape photography book that I'm going to talk about is it's a bit of a it's a bit of a um i guess for anybody that knows my photographic style and stuff wouldn't be surprised but it's huang shan by michael kenna yeah it's inevitable i've got to i've got to see michael kenna because he's been such a massive influence on me it's i mean i'm i don't i don't hold back on it you know i've 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 written about it in the blog and stuff like that and also to find out the man's an incredibly nice person to hang out with as well 
as, yep. as something else. But I mean, I think all the books from Nasrilli Press are beautifully printed. I would agree, they, yeah. Yeah, excellent, absolutely excellent. Paper choice on that one for me is it just makes the images, I mean, the beautiful images anyway. Yeah, that's right. And the, and the warmth of that paper, it's perfect. I totally agree with you, Darren. And I remember when we when we were starting printing the Art Adventure, we went to the same printer and I asked them if uh, could we use the same paper? And they wrote back to us and said, uh, it's uh, it's a no-go. It's, it's it's purely for 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 that Huang Shan edition. Right. And then he said to us, and besides, it's about four times the cost as well uh, to use that paper. But for anybody who hasn't got the book, if you like books, it's it's to, in my view, I think it's it's a must-have because, as Darren said, it's, it's, a, it's a single ink pink set on it uncoated paper and you feel that you're looking at somebody who's just sat there with like a, a calligraphy pen yeah just painted on the paper it's just beautiful and that's the reason why i picked it it's uh, i think all his books are wonderful and um i mean incredibly pro prolific photographer um and probably my i love all the kind of industrial stuff from england and stuff and and then hokkaido stuff was just a whole new genre thing that he went into and Huang Shan was just, um, it was such a surprise to me when that one came out because I, I just didn't. And it's very romantic, I think, the book. It's very romantic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so that's the landscapey one. And then, um, so now this one, this is a Ray Metzger, City Stills. And if you go and look on the, the website, you you'll see... This guy's got an incredible graphic eye. He's not—he's not alive anymore, and they're all um, street scenes. But um, the way I can describe it is that they're like graphic art. He's using light and shade of people walking through concrete cities. Yeah. And yeah. I've never fallen in love with the rim, that the 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 chromium um, seal of the curve of a window of a door in a car before. But I did because in this picture, he's. I wish I could dig it out for you and show you, but it's just this kind of, it's just caught the light. And the way that he's printed it, everything's super black, but you've got the, any of the bits of the chrome in the car are just, they're just almost white. And then every people, all the people he's got in the pictures, they're always silhouettes and shapes, graphic shapes. And the reason why I know about him is because Michael, when I was, I got to meet Michael Kenna way back in 2015. When I was in a car with him, he was talking to me about Ray Metzger and never heard of him. And there was a couple of things. He was talking to me about Ray Metzger um, creativity. And he said that Ray Metzger uh, always said that perfectionism is a form of creative constipation. <laughs> and, and I think that's true, that you can get too hung up in what you're doing and slowing it down and you're, you're kind of walking in treacle, really. Um, and so I went out to look out for this guy and I, I found the work. And the, all the books are out of print, apart from one I think got published last year. And this one's called Cityscape, City Stills. And it's just, it's the interplay, it's street photography, but it's done in a very beautiful graphic way. Um, that's oh, just yeah. one shot. Oh, yeah. That if I can, yeah. But yeah I, wish, I wish I could find the one that's got the, the, the I've never fallen in love with a, a car like that before in that way. But yeah, so 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 that, and, and I, I just love, I, I suck at it. I, I'd love to be a street photographer, but I completely suck at it. And I think, it's very interesting because like from a musical point of view, like uh, one of my favorite artists is Joni Mitchell. And I think the woman is just one of, she's just a phenomenal talent and an innate songwriter. She just doesn't even have to think about it. 
but she has a deep passion for painting and she'd love to be known as a painting. And I don't think her paintings are all that good. <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I've been thinking about this for a long time is that somehow when you're really good at something, you, you don't, it's the things that you're not so good at that you really want to be better at. Yeah. And so street photography is just something that I just don't excel at. And I think it's something that really <clears throat> inspires me a lot. Yeah. And so, like, I love all the Magnum guys, but I had to pick this one up just to be different. Um, Dream Street by by uh, Eugene Smith. And there's a lot of Eugene Smith um, street photography that I absolutely love. This one's an interesting one because what happened was that I think it's like it's either Life Photography or, you know, one of those kind of publications from the 40s or 50s. Yeah. They sent him to Pittsburgh for like a two-week project and he stayed for a year. And... <laughs> And he was obsessive. I mean, the guy was, he was on, you know, it's a bit like, you know, the Jack Kerouac thing, you know, the on the road yeah, and yeah. amphetamines and all that stuff. Yeah, He was pill popping. He was, he was completely out of his mind and booze and, and drugs and completely obsessive, uh, manic depressive, the whole thing, you know, but um, they couldn't get him to leave Pittsburgh. And so they finally collated all the work and put it into this book. And I just find that it's just like, it's just like he just photographed the whole city, the whole life yeah. of it. It's just yeah. the whole life of it. It's just, he just did Pittsburgh in 1940s. It's just incredible. Yeah. So I, I you know, I mean, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sort of lie. I mean, I've got lots of lovely landscape books here too. And I've even got like, um, like, you know, Ragnar Axelson's, um, you know, the Faces of the North book and yeah, stuff so like that here too. Yeah. Yeah, Bill Bill Brandt, Shadow and Light. I've got here too. I've got a lot of lot of collection things, but it's so hard to to pick up a collect. You know, four four books to talk about. Absolutely, and I think I think everyone's the same. You a different day, you would pick out different books than what you probably do today. And that's right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, but 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 as you both say, the books that always stand out and you've got a direct connection to, you always still come back to yeah, it. It's, it's, yeah. Um, and particularly the ones where, as you say, there's the quality and the, and the attention to detail in the printing and the production of them, as well as the quality yeah. of the photography. And yeah. obviously in, Isra in Israeli press, the quality of, of, of the books that they publish are, are really quite superb, as are so many other books. But um, yeah, I think that obviously draws back to, and it's, it's, it's always interesting to see what inspires people because from doing these various podcasts, everyone always has one or two books that are, as you say, Bruce, are not connected to the work that you would ordinarily see them produce, or yeah. they're certainly not the books that you would maybe necessarily think that they would suggest, but... Yeah, just, actually, just... Ewan, sorry, there was one book. Oh, yep. I forgot it. This is the one that I... I absolutely, I absolutely love this book. It's not Peter Lick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Peter Lick. I can't Have read you... it. What does it say? What does it say? Um, for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. And it's by Julian Ger Germain. And it, it's it's got this 1970s kind of wallpaper. <laughs> you see it? Yeah, 1970s wallpaper on it. I absolutely loved it. And it was I was round at Neil's warehouse in uh, North Berwick, and yeah. I just spotted it in the shelf there. And it's just, it's almost like somebody's just found some sort of old guy that's living in this house that he hasn't done up in oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah yeah you know in 30 years and just went in there with a camera and hung out with him for a couple of days and took photographs and my the complete stranger i found and just shot him on the beach you know yeah but but the whole thing is there's there's an element of humor about it and um 
it's all kind of very transient as well. It's, there's nothing too precious about it, I think. And maybe, yeah. and maybe for me, that's that's a complete antidote to what I do because I think that with landscape photography, there tends to be a, you know, like everything's in focus and <clears throat> yeah, and yes. all the exposures, are, the the tonality is just right and everything. Yeah. That's why sometimes you, know, you can overconsider a shot, though. You know, and that's why absolutely. I enjoy sometimes yeah. looking at loosest kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, I definitely think so. And this I, is valid. Yeah, I, absolutely, and I, I, th- I, and I think certainly with my style, I think it's gotten very, very, it's gotten very tight, really. Um, so yeah, and uh, like Elliot Porter is another one. I love if your landscapey stuff. I've got, I've just found that one there. I've just seen it. This one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, in wildness is the preservation of the world. I just, you know, especially all these kind of Sierra Sierra Club kind of publications as well. They're yeah. they're very good. Yeah. So yeah, there's just lots of stuff, and I just want to finish up personally myself here, just by saying that uh, I'm very surprised by most people who are into photography that don't actually buy books. Um, it's I've actually had people write to me saying to me, "I'm actually going to buy your book, Bruce. This is my first ever photography book," and I just think that as a photographer, you can learn so much by just even just studying other people's work. By yeah. but there's something yeah. much much more intimate about sitting down for an hour because it ends up being an hour. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did that not long ago with a Soul Lighter book. And his work's just beautiful. And, and in my opinion, sort of way ahead of his time. And I just get lost in it. You know, yeah. and for me, just getting lost in a book is, it's just priceless. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You, I just wanted to ask you a question, actually. Right. Out of all the, um, the people that you've interviewed, is there any one book that's kind of popped up in people's favourites more than any? Uh, so, Paul Wakefield's book has popped yeah, up quite, reg- might be, might quite be regularly. Um, you generally find uh, Paul Kenny's book, Seaworks, has popped yeah. up quite frequently. Yeah. And then you generally find that it might be uh, Michael Kenner or uh, Bruce Percy's been mentioned yeah. a few times, and, and the book maybe varies depending on some right. people maybe bought Color Chrome or some people brought Altiplano yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a great variation of what books, and there's always normally a curveball in yeah. every one. Yeah. Um, there's one episode, episode I recorded, which was Paul Kenny's, which went out last week. And or I will have gone out last week by the time this one goes out. And one of the books he read, one of the one of his favorite books was um, I can't remember. Oh, let me see if I've got the name of it. It was really strange. It was someone who basically photographed vegetables, and they, they were be- they were beautifully photographed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but it, it's one of these things. It's like the 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 range of books that people select. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all it's fascinating, um, mm. and it's always really interesting and inspiring to see. What, what other people do do enjoy and yeah. um, and it's a it's a total mix. Um, Jeffrey Conley he's been mentioned a few times as well for right. winter and reverence. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a good variety and it's it's yeah, interesting. Good. It opens my eyes up to yeah. new genres and yeah. and photographers yeah. all the time. And I've got the advantage in that I've got generally a week's notice of searching on Google to see if I can find them before anyone else right. hears about them. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> But, but then thankfully some people always mention books that are totally sold out or you look online and it's like 500 pounds and things yeah, like that yeah, but, that's a problem. looking for ones and uh yeah well but, I, I i've started in last few last couple of months really i've started buying a lot of japanese books right. or 
not so much buying, looking at them. Yeah. And you, the prices of some of them are absolutely terrifying. You, yeah. It's like you can look at them and there might be a book that's like, it's like 3,000 pounds and two and a half thousand pounds. And yeah. it's, it's mind, mind blowing, but there's a very, very specific style, I think, for a lot of Japanese photography. Yeah, they're more like art pieces, really, aren't they? They are. And I think, I think people treat them like art, yeah. Piece, yeah. art pieces over in Japan. And, um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's always fascinating just to hear what other people what yeah, other people appreciate because i'm like everyone else there's a lot of books that i've got that i would never really shoot the style of photography myself yeah, yeah. by by still enjoy and appreciate them and yeah, take ideas yeah. and inspiration yeah. from yeah. And i've always said a great photograph is a great photograph doesn't matter whether it's a cityscape absolutely you know, woodlands yeah. or a reportage yeah if you've got the eye you've got the you know a great photograph is a great photograph yeah and it and it, it's great it's and hopefully maybe in, when people hear others talking about their favorite books it maybe inspires other people to go out and yeah. buy more books and buy artists buy photographers that they've not necessarily come across and Absolutely. explore, explore yeah. their work more um, yeah. and once you once you start on the path of looking up someone's book you inevitably end up going round through various five different five different photographers websites and well yeah. you went to look for one book you've now got a list yeah, of about yeah, yeah. 10 books that you yeah, think yeah. are potentials to to buy and i've got books on a wish list that have maybe been sitting on the wish list had, for about three years or something <laughs> I, I i had that problem with um neil when um i when i started putting my blog together uh i was looking always, always looking for to write about things and I said to Neil, like, um, it'd be really nice if I could look at some photography books now and again. And so every month when I was buying something, you'd come around to my house with like a big crate full of about 10 books. And at the end of the month, he'd come back to pick them up and I'd say to him, can I keep them all? And I'd end up, I, I, think, I think I spent well over a thousand pounds that year in books. And it was just, you know, and I just said to him at one point, it's better, better you don't come around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, yeah. So it was kind of um, it, it, it. It's addict. It's it. It can be quite addictive. I think. I, and also, like, um, I've had a few people tell me that they've got like paper fetishes and stuff like that. I think I do with all the books. You know, it's like um, it's all about how it feels and yeah, you know. yeah. I, 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 I. There's a few books that I've bought because I've also been really interested in the the, the way it's been produced and, and yeah. concertina or something very slightly yeah. differently. And yeah. um, it's always really quite interesting to see yeah. how... And that, I think that's where they love the Japanese books. They tend yeah. to, to do diff different bindings and different folds and, you yeah. know, they're a lot more creative. And Well, this, this, this one, which is Uncharted by Wang Yuang, it opens at the front, it opens uh, right. at the back, and then it opens in the <laughs> right. middle as well. And yeah, that's it's, beautiful. It's it's but it's all very it's all very different in terms of the papers yeah. and textures that have been yeah, yeah. used. And yeah, um, it's a it's a lovely, lovely book. A, a part of the reason for buying it was because I was really quite interested to see how it been yeah how absolutely been, been yeah. produced as well. But again, it's just something a wee bit different. Um, and yeah, so it's it's always interesting and people pushing the boundaries and handmade books as well. I've got a few handmade books that um, oh, yeah. are always really yeah, really nice and really inspiring to see. Yeah. Yeah. New I mean, Shona, I was and, Shona Grant's a lot of the ones that Shona does are absolutely yeah. beautiful. 
I yeah, mean, they are just objects of desire. They're just tactile, yeah. beautifully thought out, beautifully designed. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I was, I, we visited her over the summer um, and it was great to see her studio and just to see how she creates the ideas. And But yeah. to see how many templates and versions of a right. book she's got before she actually gets to yeah the finished the yeah, finished it's a real product. creative process isn't it absolutely yeah uh, very therapeutic as well yeah. i find making making books it takes me far longer than uh, most people but um i quite enjoy the relaxing and the yeah. the, the method yeah. of making it and by yeah. the end of it you've produced something that you can sit down as opposed to having to look through your photographs on screen yeah. Um, it, yeah. it becomes a different thing i think i think it's like the whole thing just becomes either completed or yeah. becomes a, 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 a it all starts to make sense once it's all put together as a, yes. a as one thing you know I, I think for a long time I've, I've i'm not so interested in the individual photographs now it's much more about yeah portfolios and yeah mm-hmm. and even even if it's a small even if it's a small book of nine images or something like that it's, yeah. it's really just very enjoyable to right. take the time you're processing them you're printing them out you're yeah. then you're then producing making the book Japanese stab stitch whatever it is yeah, and yeah. if you then got something you can sit down as opposed to just printing your work out and it sits in a box along with everything else that then just gathers dust yeah yeah but uh, and so yeah obviously Bruce you have got uh, your Hokkaido book might be out next year and um, what about you Darren when is your book coming out <laughs> it's kind of been in the making for about the last probably about the last year yeah um yeah as I said earlier I'm kind of struggling a little bit with editing you know because it's I can I can edit other people's books easily because I've got no you know relationship or personal involvement yes with the the shots um but yeah I'm I'm struggling with that a little bit at the moment but I'm I'm saying I'm probably 90% there but then it's obviously down to sort of finances as well you know because it's a huge investment to to print and I wouldn't really be looking at doing it any more than probably 300 anyway um yeah, so it will happen. Uh, hopefully, at some point next year, um, it's pretty much fully designed. Um, yep. I've just got to stop myself from going out with the camera because every time I go out, I come back with a shot and I think, "Oh, that's quite nice. That will fit it." And I think I'm a pro- I'll, at the last count about two months ago, I was at 400 pages. So, <laughs> so right. that, there's got to be a serious culling of images. And um, recently, actually, I, I've I've lobbed it down quite a bit. So I think we're down to about 160 at the moment. So um, yeah, that, that that's yeah, something. It, it, you know, I'm not in a rush to do it. It's one of yes, those things. Right. It will happen when it happens, yeah. and I I will know personally when the time's right to uh, publish it's it. About to what I will do is do a full, a full it's, it's right, also the, right to it. I yeah. think it's it's not just the final result, is it? It's also the it's also that journey that's kind yeah, of it is. Yeah, that's yeah. really good about yeah. this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I find I'm reassessing my my photography by going through each page, mm. and the yeah. editing process is like well. You know, I remember at the time I maybe took that shot of an oak tree and I, th- I thought it was fantastic. Three months later, looking at it in a, in a project, I bloody hate it. You know, yes, some of those things. Yeah. Or, or kind of yeah. thinking, why did I think that was so special? And Or when you create some new work, you might find that the new work just, you think actually that's actually all right now, but it's not like, like the older stuff you've got in there, that, that, that picture you're talking about taken out. Yeah. The, the, the new work forces you to take out the older work and you realise actually, well, this is, this is definitely stronger. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I think... Every time I go out with the camera, I kind of hope to progress in some way. Yeah. You know, I tighten up my composition or my colour balancing or whatever, but it's, yeah. it's a good exercise, even if you're not even thinking about publishing a book. Yeah. You actually try and put one together. 
you know, yes. yourself just as a little portfolio piece to flick through. Yep. And it's a little record of your journey, I think, along, yeah. along the way. My, my, my feeling as, as sort of like a workshop leader is that um, I get people asking me all the time about, they, they wonder if they've got a photographic style and I'll say to them, have you actually taken your work out and reviewed it? Have you reviewed mm. what you do? Yeah. yeah. And, and an awful lot of folk don't do that. And what, one of the things about going through the process of doing an exhibition or, you know, it doesn't have to be a grant. It could be in your local coffee shop or something or printing your own book on Blurb or whatever, is that it's such an enlightening experience to do that when you start putting sequencing together, you start realising there's gaps or holes yeah. or... Yeah. Or even yeah. maybe, or, or surprisingly, how strong the work is and how much more material you've got than you thought you had. You know, the, the, all those sorts of things. And I think they're really good. And also just this idea of just being able to put, draw a line underneath something and say, yeah. close it off and say, that's, yeah. that's something that I did. Yeah. yeah. But I think sometimes, I think you can search too hard for style. I think, yes. I think yes. it should just be organic and you will everyone I think at some point will develop their own style yeah yeah I, I, I search for it the harder, it's, harder it is to find I, I agree with that I think that there has to be a process of in, of self-inquiry but if you're just adamant that you're trying to look for a style it's just it might just be too soon in the whole thing it's just just let your creative thing just take yeah. you where it's going to go it'll these things just tend to sort of show themselves they just tend to sort of yeah. like become yeah. obvious as things yeah. go on. I yeah, think. I mean, there's one statement that really stuck with me. It was years ago, I think I was at one of the um, Connected exhibitions in Nottingham and, and Dav Thomas was was talking. And um, I think he was talking about, he was on a workshop with Joe Cornish. And I think they were talking about, you know, styles. And, and I think Joe said to Dav that, you know, take what you, take what you want you know what what pleases you and if it's good enough other people will like it as well that's and right that yeah with me yeah 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 uh yeah that's true and uh also i i do tend to think that it's not so easy to to see you. your your style might be there but you just don't even know it's there yet because it's it, it, it's a bit like one of those things about like once you've walked down a path for so long you can look back down the journey and it look, all looks really obvious where you've come from yeah yeah, yeah. There's all that high time though, is it? But not at the time, that's right. Yes. And it's and, and I remember talking to um so like um I don't know if you know this the, the Rouge the Rouge thing by, by Mr. Kenna. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. But um it got republished again this year, uh, a couple of years back. And inside it, I thought there was a whole spate of pictures that looked like they were Hokkaido, but it's like a steelworks in the, in Michigan or something. <laughs> so I, I wrote I wrote to Mr. Kenna and I just said to him, you know. It's so interesting because he didn't go back and re-photograph it. He just dug out all his old negatives. And he's, yeah. he's now printing negatives that he took 30 years ago that he never printed. So, yeah. And I, I think what happens sometimes with that is he's now, after he's now gone through that whole thing of living through Hokkaido, going back and revisiting some of his earlier work, he now sees parts of his things that he's learned and built on in his early work. Yeah. And I just said to him, do, do you... I see Hokkaido in this. I said, you know, do you not think sometimes that in order where we're going in the future, you just need to look back at the past to see where you're going because you can see elements of it. Yeah. And he sent me an email back with a photograph he took in 1972. <laughs> and, there was, and there was a bit of poetry with it that he sent it to me. And it was more or less just saying that um, it was along the lines of that. If you want to figure out where you're going in the future, you just need to turn around and look back at where you've come from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of you don't see it sometimes until maybe later on it's like i look at some of my photographs from 10 years ago and i can go god i can see 
there were there were there were signs of this minimalism thing that I'm doing now Back then, then. But it, it just wasn't yeah. so obvious. Yeah. So it's that sort of thing. And I think that doing book projects for yourself, if you're coming at it from a photographer's point of view, if you're wanting to print your own book, it, it can be such a learning experience, you know, and a growing experience. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, gents, I would uh, like to thank you very much for your time. It's been a, a pleasure chatting to you both. Yeah, uh, what wonderful insights into the book, your collaboration, uh, what both uh, floats your boat, so to speak, in terms of the book world. It, it really has been a pleasure and an absolute uh, privilege. So thank you very much, guys. Cheers. Well, thanks, Ian. I really yeah, Thanks, it. Ian. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was just going to get another beer and come back for another hour. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, I, thanks so much, Una. It was great. It was great to talk to you. And it's nice to see Darren again and have a wee chat with him as well, too. Yeah. Yes. I need to send you an email, actually, Bruce. That reminds me. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs>